We are living like no time in history, I believe. It's like it's it, there is no there is no other type of transition that humanity's gone through that is going to be this profound. And the question is, do we make it? Yeah. Is really is there, and and to make it, I believe Bitcoin is a is a must. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Gentlemen and ladies, welcome back for another episode of the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. During this discussion, Josh and myself, Dan, are joined by the Canadian guru, Jeff Booth. If you're a Bitcoiner, this man likely needs no introduction. He's the author of what we would characterize as one of the most important books in all of print today, The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is Key to an Abundant Future. Jeff has an incredibly dense and successful background as an entrepreneur, tech leader, and strategic advisor. He was the co-founder and former CEO of Build Direct, and we also learned during this segment he's a serviceable wake surfer. Most importantly, Jeff is a family man, a visionary, and someone who cares deeply and wholesomely about the future of humanity. In this episode, we discuss topics including deflation, the impacts of exponential innovation, Bitcoin and energy, AI and robotics, what Jeff would do if he were the Fed chairman, why Jeff is Bitcoin only, the potential threat of quantum computing on Bitcoin, and lots more. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Booth, and you can follow us on Twitter at Blue underscore Collar BTC. Enjoy the show. All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Jeff Booth, welcome to the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. We're excited to have you. For those that have listened to this show before, you know one of our primary purposes here at BCB is to help educate the average person, the middle class, not, not just about Bitcoin, Jeff, but about what we presume to be a super precarious and difficult economic reality currently and likely into the future. And Honestly, the two of us can't really think of a better person on planet Earth to help explore these topics with. So seriously, thanks for spending the morning with us. No, my, seriously, my, my pleasure. You know, you know how I think about this, too, and, I, and we're completely aligned. This is a really important asset class to understand because of what it means and what we're about to, fa what we're about to face. Um, and, and so the more people that understand it, the better. We both read The Price of Tomorrow a while ago, and... I kind of pitch the price of tomorrow and the greatest game together. I, th I feel maybe tell me if you agree, but I feel like your greatest game article is kind of the final chapter to the price of tomorrow. It's probably, it's probably, it's probably, I would say uh, the one thing I had to sacrifice in, in price of tomorrow for, to, to make it, um, it cause there's tons of it covers. It covers so much. Um, but I had to sacrifice kind of where it leads to. So when you're talking about the greatest game, but even the greatest game, because it's a short piece, um, uh, it, it still sacrifices where, where this leads to. So I think there, there's at some point, um, I've been asked uh, to do a lot more work on where does this go? 
and, uh, and, and at some point I'll do that. I, I don't know if I'll ever write a book again. I didn't, I didn't want to write the first book. Um, I, you, you know what I wrote, wrote, wrote it for my kids because whether I publish something for free or something else to, to say, where does, where does this go? So, so, but yes, the, the price of tomorrow and the, uh, and the greatest game, um, does give you kind of a one, two punch to really start to understand this. Yeah. Those I, I felt like it dovetailed right onto the back of that book perfectly as I read it. I didn't even realize he had written that until Dan mentioned it to me last uh, last week before we talked to you. So I just read that article. And one thing I wanted to ask your thoughts on was, if you had to pick a period of time in history that would be comparable to now, and maybe in something in the last couple hundred years that people are somewhat familiar with, what period of time do you think we would be best compared to? Oh, that's um, by the way. It's a hard question, and um, because obviously we we all ourselves experience recency bias, and so we know more about the periods that are that are closer to us. But we also misinterpret the the cause and effect of some of those periods. So when when you look at the thing the the rise from World War One to World War Two and the Great Depression, that kind of the the rise of powers and what happened in, in, in Germany and, and that whole episode um throughout throughout history, um you could look back and that and say that's repeating right uh, right now. Right. And and people would look to that and say, okay, and because it's the most recent history that's re, uh, repeat, repeating, looking back past that, hard to really tell. Um, and 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 even in that period, so many people get the cause and effect wrong. So, um, what the the easier way to say this is um, the the thing that stands true um, is history keeps repeating every 80 to hundred years as currencies break down. That sounds like the fourth turning. And, 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 and what used to happen around 80 to 120 years, something in, in around there, it happened for a predictable reason. So with inflation, with inflation, governments can essentially hide in taxes and, and people don't realize what's happening. So, so inflation is just a hidden tax where, and if you think about that, where people are actually say, believe that their money should be worth less each year. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that they've been trained that well, huh? They, but they believe, they believe that and they believe that the economy had to be productive must mean that their money needs to be worth less each year, but it makes no rational sense. Um, and, and so, but they, but they buy that and what that affords a, a government to essentially spend more than they make and hide some, uh, hide revenue in in inflation, and that and that that causes some people to to get rich off of that trade, and some people to get poor, which kind of causes a division. And and a lot of the people that are most hurt from that will vote for more of it because they don't know what's happening. Mm. And 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 so predictably, now going back to these great turning or uh, or 80 to 120 year cycles Populism. it slower throughout the world because because technology wasn't moving the other way as fast but it always still happened because 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 what government would say we're going to force austerity and do the right thing for long term and we're only going to they can't they can't uh, they, so so they always 
it kind of gets worse and worse and worse. And then you have a great, then you have a debt bubble reset, which causes throughout the world. Um, and, and uh, typically revolution war. No, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> you just, you just hinted on this <clears throat> wealth gap idea. And I think for us and a lot of our peers, this is a really important topic, but it can be difficult to substantiate and enumerate. Talk to us a little bit, Jeff, about why this perpetual growth and inflation model leads to greater concentration of wealth and, and a wealth gap. Can you walk us through sort of how that process is and why it exists? Sure. Um, so again, um, in inflation, um, so inflation, if you simplify these terms, inflation, your money is worth less over time and assets go up. And so in debt and, and so debt is easier to repay because your money is worth less. So you're paying back with future dollars that are worth less that debt that you borrowed. So in that environment, if you have a whole bunch of assets, those assets will rise in price. Um, and you'll be able to pay back. And if you have a fairly decent income, you can pay back the debt with, uh, with cheaper dollars tomorrow, if you're getting raises throughout your life. So that's, uh, on, on, on one side. And so now imagine, imagine you had, uh, imagine three different people. Um, one person has 50 houses, one person has one house and one person doesn't have a house. And so the, the person with 50 houses, all of those houses rise in price with that inflation. Same thing for stocks or anything else. Person with one house, their, their one house does. So the person with 50, though, their house's price rises, their rents rise for all the people renting. The person without a house um, is losing out of that economic equation at the same rate as the others are winning. And so, so because inflation, the opposite side of the coin to inflation is wage deflation. Your, sa- your wages are going down in real terms or, and your in- or your savings are going down in real terms. So when we get to this position on the cycle and there's more and more being hidden in inflation, that means essentially the government is saying, well, I'm going to make sure people are paid less and their savings are eroded. And then you wonder how those people could ever afford houses to get onto the other side of the ledger. Right. And their rents are going up, their food prices are going up, everything, and they're losing out. And so it causes, um, it, it causes a rift in society with the people on the bottom rung unaware, uh, unaware of what's causing it in the first place. And what typically they do is vote for more government to, 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 to help the problem that government created in the first place. It also seems like that whole process lends itself to the structure becoming fragile as well, because the people on the higher end of that structure are incentivized to get themselves leveraged up because they can borrow money cheap. They can lever themselves into more hard assets or just assets in general and increasing fragility in that system as well. There's this interesting dichotomy that exists between this is a massive oversimplification, but I I think it holds somewhat true between low and middle class individuals and upper class individuals, you, their leverage is being used differently. So we're in an increasingly levered economy with more and more debt. And you have, let's just say middle class folks taking on more and more debt to basically buy crap. And then you have 
let's say entrepreneurs, business leaders, we'll, we'll label them as the upper class using leverage to their advantage. Take Michael Saylor going out, accumulating all this money to buy assets. So it's like the, the indebtedness of the economy can be a great advantage if you understand the tricks. But if you don't understand the tricks, it can just get you more buried, more levered, and less able to accumulate assets. So there's an element of the yeah. debt side of this equation that's also really harmful to the average individual. And, and, and here's, here's the problem today. When you essentially encode a fraud into base layer of money, and inflation is, is a fraud, but worse, worse than that fraud it is when you don't let a reset happen. So when you, don't, when you bail out the people who created the problem by over-leveraging, in, like in 2008 and, and again now, mm-hmm. essentially what, you, what you've done is given a cheat code for the black rocks of the world to, to, to be able to know for sure that government must come in and save them if they if they make a mistake. Yeah, it's uh, creating moral hazard on a huge degree. It, it, it creates moral hazard everywhere, and, and because the because today, if you allowed, let's just kind of talk about change from one system to another. If you allowed deflation to happen today, if you allowed the natural market to happen with technology, what's happening? I know we're we're going to go there, but if you allowed that to happen. The existing system in totality com- collapses to the ground. I mean, every government fails around the world. Every every institution, every hospital, every, the entire system resets. It's bone chilling to think about. Yeah, it's bone chilling. Scary. So in the, in that environment, but that's natural because our 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 innovation, our technology should be saving us time. And as as a free market delivers that, that should be delivering more value to society. That's a natural progress. Stopping that is completely unnatural and it has different consequences. And so, so that's where we are in this, this, this cycle. And people get confused about the debt deflation, about the, the, essentially the clearing of excesses that has to happen when you get this far into a cycle to, to what should happen in a normal economy. In a normal economy, prices should de- keep declining as in, as technology enables us to do more with less and we should be all we should all be the beneficiaries of that declining instead of our money being worth less each year to run the opposite system so in reading in reading the price of tomorrow bitcoin sort of you mention it briefly at the end but through the main thrust of the book it seems to me that this is probably obvious given your history but that you kind of put together these convictions and these theses regarding growth and inflation far before you got exposed to Bitcoin. Just to, to take your history back a little bit for us, when did you first learn about Bitcoin and how did it first strike you? When did it enter as a puzzle piece in this equation? So for so I, I bought first, I think when you guys did, uh, same 2017, that, uh, that time frame. And I dabbled at that, at that point. And, uh, but but I first learned about Bitcoin really, really early, and and but I was running I was running a fairly sizable business that I founded and everything else. My my my, a bunch of my developers were talking about it, and we talked about it quite often about what it could be and everything else. This was at Build but, Direct. Yeah, yeah, but I but I but I didn't. Uh, um, but I was so busy in the business, I didn't really take it uh, yeah. uh, seriously. So, so many people heard about it, and then we're yeah, 2017, it finally 
made sense for me too. And like, I missed it for years. And, but, but more so I came out into it the other way. I, f- I figured, um, it, for, for, to have a solution first, you have to have a problem. And so I wanted to understand the problem to its root. I wanted to send, in fact, the book is written that way. I want um, cause, cause if the, if the technology, just like any technology is looking for a market that doesn't exist, then the technology will fail or it'll be too or too, too early. I wanted to understand the, uh, the, the problem from why is this a must or what, what is required to get to the other side? Because we're living in a, in, in you asked the question, uh, uh, Joshua before about a time in history, we are living like no time in history. I believe it's like, it's, it, there is no, there is no other, uh, a type of type of transition that humanity has gone through that is going to be this profound. And the question is, do we make it yeah. is really, is there, and, and to make it, I believe Bitcoin is a, is a must or something or, and, and so in exploring Bitcoin, why it's only one chapter or sorry, it's one paragraph in the book. I didn't, want, I didn't want it to be a Bitcoin book. I wanted it to be, I was truly looking for any type of solution possible to change from one system that was going to fail spectacularly for sure to another system with the easiest transition for humanity. That's what I was looking for. And, and Bitcoin became the piece of the puzzle. When, uh, when I was reading through the greatest game, the, the idea that you just threw out there, the, if, if we make it kind of hit home for me and I've, I've been kind of gamed that out in my head in the past of like, how does this all play out kind of, because it's it feels kind of similar to the last world war before you know the kind of the prior happenings before that just this whole build up to populism and then it is crazy dictators at some point and then a hot war potentially when you or think when you said that what is the i guess what are the two different dichotomies we might be able to see happening here in your mind like what's the best case scenario for how this all could play out and then what do you think the worst case scenario is so, uh, and this is going to take a little bit of time to walk walk through this. And 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 Please. for a bunch of your, for a bunch of your listeners, be, just remember this throughout everything you're talking about, not just on this podcast, but in future podcasts. All of our measurement, all what we measure our life by, is from an existing system that has these negative externalities, and we won't see what most of the stuff that we're talking about now. Mm. We won't see it until it's too late because, because, because we measure everything. We measure our own wealth. What, what is money in the first place? It's just afraid of your time. And, and, and you're, you're, you're essentially spending 40 years of your time that can be uh, eradicated with a click of a button and monetizing. And that's going to have dangerous consequences for the world. But we measure our house value, we measure our school education, everything from that system. And all our friends do too. And we're caught in that system, unable to see what a different system could look like. And so it's really hard for our brains to understand what with a, with without bias, what a new system could look like. So just I caveat what I'm about to say with 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 that, because it's a really important piece to uh, it, because we're all in the same thing we're measuring this uh, system by its negative uh, negative and positive externalities so so what what happens in this system 
So, so a credit-based system must grow forever. It must keep on growing. And so, so what ends up happening is you have to create more and more credit. You have to more and more debt, more and more leverage and everything else. And, and today, if you know that and you're in financial industry, essentially you're levering up and you're playing this game. Um, and, 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 and what that does is it must concentrate more power in government. Government becomes the entire market. It looks like communism, looks like totalitarianism in mm. time as, as the free market is, is moved away. Now along that path and why let's just, let's use a real example of what that, what that would look like. So any rational actor in an economy like that, and a rational actor, let's use me as a CEO in a business or a, a chairman of a business. When, when you're pushing prices up unnaturally by printing money, then, then the free market must drive technology into their business faster to remove labor. Yeah. Yeah. Which means to try to keep jobs, you need to actually make wages go down to try to keep. So you do it more and more and more. So you have two yeah. different systems with feedback effects that are going the opposite way. And so, 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 and that leads to total control in government. And, um, and, and along that path, and if you just said it, just let's use just us, but it's not just us that's happening in every country which leads to geopolitical uh, kind of revolution and then geopolitical hot wars. How do you get elected in that system? Because it's not, it's taxes wouldn't make a difference at all in the system. If you taxed a hundred percent of all the profits of all the companies in the U S in 2019, 2.25 trillion, <laughs> you did five trillion last year. Mind blowing. Yeah. It makes me think of the FOSS numerator denominator, just math problem, just insurmountable. Yeah. You know, it's it's insurmountable. There, there is no way out of it from the existing system, but the existing system stuck on a path that it must continue to do what we're talking about. Now, along the way, they could, for individual investors and people in here, be careful because on the way it could do a whole bunch. So, if 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 the Fed tapered today and stopped printing, the entire economy would collapse. Yeah. You would move into a deflationary spiral really fast. So if you levered at that wrong time and they did that, you'd be wiped out to zero. Yeah. And for people listening, when he says a deflationary spiral, that's like the Great Depression. Story. The Great Depression on steroids because right. it's way worse. On, on st- uh, so, so, but if you levered and you, um, you were uh, taking, a, taking that bet that were, they were going to keep going and they went the other way, um, it, then you would be wiped out and then they would come in and reflate it after that. They would probably nationalize banks. They would do everything else, but you'd already be wiped out. Yeah. On the opposite side of that, if you hold cash and they keep reflating or they keep on going, keep, keep on going, your cash is being made worthless. Yeah. And so, so these are really tricky kind of times and it's, there's more instability the entire time along that which causes a whole bunch of people to, again, there's less people with, with wealth than people without wealth. And so the popula- populism explodes in the, this time and, and new leaders get elected to be able to continue this path actually with more printing to, to be able to, and then create blame over people with money or people with privilege and pretend it's a free market when it wasn't a free market at all. 
So there is no free market, um, but it's easy for people to believe. So, so imagine it's you and maybe it is some of the, your listeners imagine, um, imagine you don't own a place and your rents just went up by 25% Mm -hmm. and your food prices just went up by 25% Mm -hmm. and your income didn't go up by 25%. What do you feel? Yeah. Um, but you don't know why you feel like that. You have no idea. You're just mad. And when somebody comes along and says it's their fault, and uh, you'll believe it. Yeah, the wisdom of crowds helps that along too. Yeah, when somebody say, when somebody says, "If you vote for me, I'm going to take this back and redistribute it," you'll believe it. Yeah, it, it, these effects are so insidious. I mean, even I'm going to speak to my own privilege right now. Even here at my life stage, I own a home, and I have been. It, within our income stream, socking money away for 10 years. Like even, even, a, even, ten, even if I was getting started right now coming out of college, like the hamster wheel has sped up even in one decade considerably. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, we see, we see guys that we work with who are fairly new in their mid twenties. They can barely afford to buy a house right now. And I mean, we yeah. make a decent wage. We're not, you know, we're, we're probably some of the better paid firemen or in the country, luckily for us. And it's hard for some of these guys to afford a home. So uh, yeah, yeah. we're watching it happen. And, and now, 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 if you, we, this is a rabbit hole. I talked to before we, we started about some of these things we might get onto. If you think about real estate in general, real estate, actually, it might be the thing that creates both national pride um, and, and an ability to have a runaway credit model. Right. So it might be the thing forces forces people to kind of protect their their state or country or anything else because they're all in in real estate. Right. That is just the trade of that property right. That then can be that, that then people are locked into a system and mm-hmm. become slave to, slaves to a system because there's no way to get out of it. So I often ask myself because the same thing happened in Nazi Germany or whatever in Germany and and, and to kind of the 20s to 30s that precipitated World War II, why didn't the wealthy leave? All their property was there, right? Because who had the wealth? Yeah. A, lot of the, a lot of the Jewish were the, were the wealthy landowners and everything else. Why didn't they leave? Because they would be leaving as refugees. They, didn't yeah. have, they couldn't take their wealth with them. And so, so real estate is actually probably the most, it, 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 the thing that locks you into a country's um, uh, pro- those pro- the property rights, which affords the country to be able to run an inflationary uh, model to be able to lock people in. seems like that's going to run headlong right into this wall of digital assets. Well, potentially. so n- let's, let's first investigate that because, because that's always been true. If you looked at real estate in Lebanon today and you were a landowner in uh, Lebanon, not sure you want to be a landowner in Lebanon and how do you get out without with, I think Taleb wealth. is he's but, such a wise old man <laughs> yeah. but, he's probably still powerlifting but, with uh, his buddies a uh, Bitcoin BSV right while it's getting 51% attacked to attack Lynn he attacked Lynn Alden this week which I was just like of all yeah, the people that 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 speaks with the most humility and candor and intellectual honesty in the world. I would put Lynn Alden straight up at the top. So it was an interesting move on his part, but sorry, we digress. Yeah. Keep sorry going. to interrupt you like that. I just had to send that one. No, but, but, but again, you can see, so if you can see this in other countries coming and you can't move your real estate and you know that we're on that path, 
then you must be able to see that, that signpost that eventually it's coming in the US, eventually it's coming in Canada, mm-hmm. it's coming everywhere. Because, because when you have a population of very few people with all the wealth and most people without, without that's what happens. You get, to, you get revolutions and wars. Yeah. And so if people can't see that uh, coming, they, they are blind. Because it's it, the signposts are everywhere. It's the and 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 there is no way to stop kind of that inevitability out of the existing system. The existing system must make it worse. Um, and I'm going to caveat that the the existing system could essentially remove the free market completely. It could look like communism and people and remove all individual rights and freedoms and redistribute if they could stay in power through force they could redistribute that way it seems like a short-term situation though because i mean i think we'd all agree the price signal is what keeps the market running if there's no price signal in the like which is communism there's no price signal people are going to be starving quickly because there's just no way to know how much food to produce and on and on through the whole complex economy that we have that you just can't you can't centrally control that without, and maybe actually, I, maybe this is where you're thinking you could go with this idea. If we actually had an AI that was smart enough to do it and could actually figure that all out for us, communism might actually work. I mean, I guess we're, I could see that argument. So no, I'm actually not going there. Okay. I'm not going there because I don't believe that it would ever work. Um, what, what, I, um, what I'm going with is um, for it, we're, we're now confusing two thing, two different things or conflating two different things. Or we're conflating human greed for power, domain over other humans, with the market economy. Two totally different things. And what I'm getting at in totalitarianism, or, or there's a whole bunch of politicians today that actually believe that they're doing the right things to help other people. Yeah, right. They actually yeah. believe it. AOC um, is a great example. Exactly. And we're going to do this. We're going to print more money to help other people. And they totally believe it. And other people believe that they're doing that too. But it's really more and more taking away from the free market, concentrating control in, uh, to government. So you have a very f- small number of people at the top making all decisions for other, other humans. And it's a recipe for disaster across, ac- across time. You see this, you see this, this experiment has been tried throughout history yeah, and it never good. works. Um, and it won't work this time. Worse, with artificial intelligence and robotics, where that goes, if you, uh, if you trust in a small number of people that can make decisions for everybody's wealth and well-being, and they could change their minds or leave that power to their son or uh, who could be a total crazy person and everything else, then you have severe risk in society. But who would rise up against that power? People don't rise up in Russia right now. Look at Navalny, right? So he rises up and and they they poison him. They put him in jail. Why people don't rise up in a a totalitarian society or a, a communist society like that or look at China? Look at what happens when people rise up. They're crushed. Now think of that same path for our kids with, with power of AI and robotics. Think about what that would look like. Mm-hmm. That's the path we're on right now. Insurmountable. That is the path. Yeah. And it, but it is insurmountable. And that is the path. That is today's path where, where society globally 
that's where that's where we're heading on on exact on the inflationary monetary policy throughout the world. That's where we're headed. That's scary stuff. We need to get to the positive side quick. <laughs> by, by the way, it's actually why, but it's actually why you're doing this, and it's why I'm doing it. Yeah. this. Um, I don't make money from doing this. I don't care about. I don't need more money. I don't. It, this, this is so important for our kids and our, and, the, and the future of humanity because that path um, through what war would look like in artificial intelligence and, and smaller robotics and, and AI, what war would look like today versus before it would look a whole lot worse. And so we're on that, we're on that path and more and more risk is moving into the world and people are, people are not zoomed out enough. They're looking at their own problem, their own micro problem and not realizing that, it, that it's caused by all of this yeah. and, and making it worse all, all, all the time. And the unfortunate thing is that these realities and systems are, are really complicated and complex. There's so many moving pieces. So for the average person with their head down, just trying to get through the 50 hour work week and get back to the barbecue with their family on the weekend, it's, it's so difficult for them to, to conceptualize one one thing Josh and I like to do on this podcast is sort of game out scenarios and think practically. Okay. So we've, we've placed the map down on the table and we see the direction this could go. But when you think about the current situation, it's, it's so nuanced. Um, and I like what you said earlier, Jeff, and that like most of these leaders aren't criminals, right? I mean, they can be spoken of that way on Twitter, but they're normal people that are trying to enact policies that they think will be in in the best interest of society, but it's so fragile trying to make these choices right now. And here, here's where I want to hear your thoughts is that when you look at where we're at, we'll say we're, let's presume we're at the end of a debt cycle. Interest rates are incredibly low. The smallest tweak has significant ripple effects. And so even a semblance of quantitative tightening could lead us down a deflationary path. So you've got this short-term deflationary concern amidst the backdrop but I think what a lot of your a lot of what you're positing is you're saying, hey folks, let's zoom out of the two, five, ten year. We we need to create a solution that's going to work for decades to hundreds of years because we're on this innovative technology path, right? How do you if you're Jerome Powell, if you're at the driver's seat of this thing, let's go back to the short term. Honestly, what like what would you do? Given the, the the chess pieces right now, what's the what's the move to make? What solutions can you enact that don't just rip the bandaid off so violently that the whole system implodes? Yeah, so so and, and this is probably important because on Twitter a lot of people don't get this as well, and this is nuanced because they're yelling at Jerome Powell and everything else to 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 stop this, and this this problem can't be stopped right now. So it's it, thirty years too late. From from uh, because the system needs to be built on a different foundation to allow deflation. It needs to where we're moving with technology, exponential technology gains, which means ex- exponential productivity, which means you having every individual having more time for less. They get more for less on a con- and we all vote as rational actors. That why we create these monopoly companies is because we're voting to get more value. That's why Google's yeah. a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that, that's why Amazon's so big. That's why Apple's. We're voting to get more value, and these companies are feeding us, giving more value. They make our life easier, flat out. Exactly. Yeah. If, somebody, if somebody comes along tomorrow and gives us more value, those companies will go away. 
Um, and, and so that is, that means we get more for less and more for less, but running a system that goes exactly the opposite way where we're trying to save jobs by getting less for more. So it, it's insane. It actually, so they're driving exact opposite ways, but now what would he, what would I do? What would he do? If he signals, I'm going all in on Bitcoin, entire market collapses, everything globally. <laughs> Yeah. If he if if he pulls back uh, stimulus, tire market collapses uh, uh, globally. So so the central bank has lost its independence, and it's being co opted by government. And so go- government is now fiscal spending and everything else, trying to essentially p- make this massive debt debt cheaper to pay by destroying currency. And, and they're trying to thread the needle of destroying that value of currency, so that so that um, it it doesn't go into hyperinflation. I suspect that it's not going to go into hyperinflation, because because and a lot of people get confused about that as well because technology is moving the other way faster, and with the U.S. as the as, as the base currency in in the world and everything else pegged, all of the other currencies are printing at the same rate. Yeah. So the problem isn't hyperinflation. The problem is destruction of society and this and 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 what we uh, what uh, the 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 wealth gap and what ends up happening to every economic decision is really a gamble on on what somebody else is going to print, right? It's just a, um, and so you don't have you don't have a free market. You don't have a free market at all. Everything is de- derived from that printing function, which is just push a button. Jeff, one of the, one of the main features of your book is just exponentials in general and how people have a really hard time wrapping their head around what exponential numbers are and how things move exponentially into the future. And I think one of the, one of the examples you used was folding a piece of paper and I can't remember exactly how many times it was. It might've been like 15 or 20 times, but if you could possibly fold a piece of paper uh, 12 to 15 times you would actually reach the surface of the sun which so 50 times oh, 50, 50 times 50, 50 times and you can only fold it seven but I, but the the key part of that is now that people know that answer everyone will think they know exponentials <laughs> yeah yeah exactly oh yeah you're telling their friends the parlor trick and everything yeah, right else things move things move fast this day and age i'll tell yeah. you yeah it's cr- and the other one was was it a grain of rice on a on a chessboard? Yeah, one a single chess grain board, of rice yeah. multiplied across all of those would end up being trillions of pounds. Of it's yeah. just you, crazy. you're right though, Jeff. You almost want to that guy in the bar that's like, oh yeah, the old fifty paper fold trick. You're like, no, dude, this this had the implications of this are are absolutely mind blowing. I I think the the two books that really got me on this theme were the Sovereign Individual and then your book. Yes. The speed at which some of these things could happen and the deflationary impacts that they may have on even my life are just so incredible to think about. That's the critical thing that you, uh, that, that, that this is. So people are thinking that, that they're looking back through a rearview mirror around the technology that's been. Remember, the iPhone came out with 2004, right? Two, I think uh, 2005 or six. 2005 or yeah, six. Something like that. Yeah, so, so it's. It's it's 15 years old, um, 
and we take for granted all of these those apps and everything we get for free on, on that. It's changed industries completely. I remember that um, original iPhone well. I bought one, and it was nothing special compared to what we have now. It was terrible. I, I remember thinking it was a dumb idea. I remember the release of the iPhone thinking, I'm like, what utility is this going to have? I felt the same way about the iPad. It just goes to show how how much perception can lag reality. And I think you see some of this with Bitcoin. Like, what purpose could that serve? And well, so, so absolutely, but that's probably a different. So, but the the key part for the exponentials is to remember that that 15 years of uh, the iPhone and what you thought and what it is now is looking backwards. And things are so. If you use that analogy, why why it's important to to really keep on doing that exponential um, is because. We're on, I think we're on 30, fold 34, if you use the analogy to the sun. Mm-hmm. And why we misunderstand technology and impact is because in the beginning folds, artificial intelligence or, or 3D printers or anything else, think about the paper folding and how thin it is. Nothing happens. It's no difference. But there's this hype cycle that says, wow, this is going to change the world. And then 18 months after the initial fold, it folds again and nothing happens. And then it doesn't happen, doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden, by the time people realize it, they've already hyped it. And then it's come down the other side yeah. and people, oh, this is useless. And then the folds really start taking place. And where are we on that? We're on fold 34 to the core into 35. And so the same in thing which, that- In which technology? I'm sorry. Any technology. Okay. Like if you just say the base bill, so artificial intelligence you. went through this same thing in the seventies mm-hmm, and right. then again, and, and they, then again in, in, in the nineties and now it's really hitting mainstream and both times before people, it was a hyped as the, it's going to change everything. And it didn't. And then, and, and computing wasn't as powerful, didn't have the data sets, everything else. And now it is truly different. Um, and it's moving at a rate that, it, but, but that's the same thing. It's that paper fold. If you use a paper folding analogy to imagine how fast that's moving, yeah. extrapolate forward 3d printing. I'll bet you in everybody listening to this podcast, they think about 3d printing as, and, and you print some token yeah. that's useless. It's a nerd right? toy right and now. It, exactly. Because that's what it looked like, um, 10 years ago when there was a hype cycle around 3D printing. It looks nothing like that now, and it's getting faster, cheaper, glass, metals, everything else at a crazy rate right now that we don't see every day. Jeff, tell us about your your wake surfing boat. You printed a, I remember, I forget where I heard this. Maybe this was on with Breedlove. Oh, I I heard that one too, yeah. You 3D printed a part for it. So we have a good, uh, we have a newer wake surfing boat that we don't need it anymore. But um, but, uh, but that that boat, it was literally, I think it was, call it three dollars to to print and and download download for free print a print print a uh, a fin essentially that uh, suction cups to the side of the uh, boat um for three dollars which which would sell on amazon for over eight hundred dollars wow what kind of boat is it i'm curious uh mastercraft nice i have an i have a yeah. access love it yeah you do yeah, some surfing yourself jeff I do do so. Yeah, send some, put some videos in YouTube. We'll uh, we'll compare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the 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 boat's right out here. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Josh, uh, Josh shreds out there. I'm curious. I I think this part of you did such a good job of summarizing these various deflationary innovations and their potential. We've covered a few of them. Like you hit in the in the price tomorrow. You hit 
3D printing, augmented reality, AI, self-driving cars, solar. And I want to get into solar a little bit more later, but I know you have some exposure to these spaces and you've got curiosity that's led you into them. I mean, obviously you have a extremely deep tech background. W- which of these areas at this day and time is blowing your mind the most on its potential impact? Um, by the way, it's, it, it, it's really hard to pick one. If I, if I had to pick one um, that I cannot believe most, more people can't see, like uh, Tesla's AI day is coming up. How fast AI is is moving, and wait till you see some of the stuff that they'll announce in, in in that AI day. I cannot believe people can can actually talk in the same sentence that they can see they can see robots dancing that are driven by AI. They can see them jumping and everything else. They can they they can see where AI is going. They can see where robotics is going, and they can see that pretty soon most of labor could be replaced by AI and robotics. Yet they still think we could live in a, in a world where, uh, where, we, where we decrease the value of money to keep labor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it Boston <laughs> Robotics has got, they've, they're literally jumping from pole to pole, like standing on one leg, like Karate Kid. It's crazy. The stuff and, they're and, doing. And, and so when you when you when you project these patterns and realizing we're on fold thirty four to moving yeah. th- fold thirty five, realizing it's going to get way faster. It's going to like what's going to happen. Look at the Boston Robotics uh, robot ten years ago on YouTube. Have people yeah. go to look at it and look at it today, and now extrapolate and think what it's going to remember exponential, not yeah. linear. Mm-hmm. And so think what it's going to do in five years. And what uh, um, what's going to happen? How can you? And by the way, this is what this is what uh, this is what paralyzes a whole bunch of people. People, they move to fear, and they don't want it to be true. So they don't organize their lives that it will be true. So they so they try to fight they try to fight that happening, and they they're paralyzed by the fear of what does artificial intelligence mean for me, my job, everything else. I better make a bunch of money really fast so that I'm not do. And they they actually feed back into the same thing causing causing that problem. And and it doesn't matter. And and here's probably the and and they think about artificial intelligence in that case or robotics in that case as a light switch. One day we have it, one day we one day we don't have it, one day we do, and don't worry, it, it'll be exactly like it is today until that day. Then light switch, everything changes. Yeah. and and it doesn't look like that. Like markets don't look like that. What ends up happening is artificial intelligence is in many things you use today, removing labor. Um, and uh, it's it, it's running most of the call centers now. And it's getting better and better and better. Ask Alexa a question and think about the questions that it can answer today. Um, translation services and everything else. And all those job families that are already moving on, on a, that being replaced by artificial intelligence now. And it's just moving faster and faster with each, with each cycle. So all of that stuff, the reason why we, we, we have such a problem with it is we live in a system where we don't know how we would live in that system, right? So we, 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 because our job means everything. We work for 40 years of our life to be able to do this so we can retire the last 20 years with hopefully uh, an okay style. Well, we know that the government is reducing the value of our currency in that system and it's getting worse and worse on that. And, and so we're, we get paralyzed by fear 
even though everything I just said is true and we stay locked in that system. And one of the things that, that that I tried to point out in the book and everything else is to live in the new system where we're going anyways. Because yeah. technology is forcing that. It's happening. Where we're going, we need a different way to to wire our world. And it, it requ- it's a, there's a requirement that you have a digitally native currency that allows for deflation. Because hmm. any single thing, and I'll say that again, a digitally native currency that allows for deflation. Anything that it doesn't do that concentrates power and wealth and everything else like we've already talked about and allows the charade to just keep going on because when you play by the rules we're playing by right now you can just continue to kick the can down the road it just it i mean it's gonna it's it's the day of reckoning is gonna come eventually but this is another thing josh and i talk like how long can the charade go on and who knows but the answer could be longer than you think under the current system so um, a way to look at this, and again, going back to the 80 to 120 years, the charade goes on uh, for, for, and it gets worse and worse at the end, which leads to revolution, war, reset, victor of the war, changes the rule set, and says, we won't do it again, promise this time. Like, so if you looked at World War II and, and the U.S. Uh, to Bretton Woods, gold and the re- U.S. dollar reserve currency of the world, everybody plays by these rules. Tax rates in the U.S. were were uh, were in the ninety percent in the in the sixties, um, and U.S. couldn't pay its bills, so so they had to go out and and France demanded the gold back, and, um, and because they realized they couldn't pay the, it was a math problem. Right. So U.S. went off the gold reserve, exported that problem. Have they sent a battleship to go to, get it? Exported that problem around the globe. And now you had a fiat currency backing all global trade. But, but, and then the next trick to extend the game longer is, the, uh, is, is essentially the oil, right? And make deals with Saudi Arabia and everything else and price oil in US dollars. And you're able to start the game again. So you're able to extend that game from the 70s to today. Because everybody had to price their their oil, which is the energy that the world needed in U.S. dollars. And so that gave the U.S. a whole bunch of ability to play the game longer. And it benefited the U.S. and it benefited the G7 and everything else in the same way. But it, But the externality in a whole bunch of other countries, the negative externality in another country, it hurt them the exact same. Yeah. And, and, and so, uh, so now you are in that system is disintegrating and be, be, and, and, and what do governments peg their currency to, um, or what, and there right now there isn't, everybody's pegging to the U S right. And then the U S the one is pegged to the U S and, and, and other countries are trying to do, do this, which is a recipe for disaster. And you just have base money essentially. If money is just a trade of our time and you're allowed to create misinformation and money, which is, it, it's just information mm-hmm. and you create misinformation and money, then as a byproduct, you would expect to have misinformation everywhere else in society. Yeah. yeah. Signals so that's are all, signals are all yeah, blurred. I don't know if it's you or someone else that the, the whole rule, you're building the house with a measurement stick that's changing repeatedly. Yeah. John Gallup said that it was a, that's a good, uh, good analogy. So 
I wanted to ask you what you think was would maybe change in the next 10 years, but I think maybe the more appropriate question is what do you think won't change over the next 10 years? <laughs> you got that from the book from Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, that's the Jeff Bezos <laughs> yeah. one, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I don't think human nature is going to change. I think, I think, and, and why that is a critical driver in this, um, ask yourself, just ask yourself, why don't more people stand up? Why don't more people put on podcasts like you're doing right now? Why don't more I wonder people, why people don't stand up all the time? Why, why don't more people stand up and, and, and drive that? Like, I mean, with convictions, say Bitcoin or what with, uh, with this, um, if they know this is happening. And, and most people see then what you'd see, what you'd see in Russia today, what you'd see in China today is as a system gets more and more powerful like that, most people seek safety in that system. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say most people, like 99% of people yeah. seek safety in that system. Be, um, and then that what that allows is a system to essentially punish people, the small amount of people who would stand, stand up. And so so human nature won't change and fear, greed, everything else. And there's so much power in that fear today and greed that, that, that people are racing to that system and giving politicians more room to keep it going. That's what, and, and, and so we can expect that to continue and we could expect that to, and, 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 but we know all of that is based on essentially a lie a fraud and, and money and base system of money that's that cannot continue so why don't more people fight it why don't more people and why i've gained conviction on 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 bitcoin i remember uh, a lot of your audience won't know me but i've gone down every path is there a possible solve i've gone down every path i could possibly think of is there a solve from the system what i realize is there is no solve from the system it can't fix itself and, and if you think about any business, why didn't Kodak uh, uh, do digital cameras, even though they invented digital cameras? And we use way more di- uh, photos today than we ever did before. And Kodak's uh, irrelevant. It's not a business anymore. Or, or Blockbuster versus Netflix. And so what ends up happening is a change in systems of this magnitude, often driven by technology, most often driven by technology, is impossible for the incumbent system to understand. Did you guys, somebody put this on Twitter just yesterday about e-com. Have you heard of this, Jeff? The U.S. Postal Service back in the the 70s and 80s, they wanted people to send them an email so they could transcribe it onto paper and then put it in the mail for them so they could receive it at their house. And it's just that entire blockbuster um, ideology of like, okay, I don't understand this new system, but I'm going to try to co-opt it in my own way, which inherently completely defeats the purpose of the new system because the new system is designed to replace the the slow snail mail that you are trying to perpetuate here so we have a global we are, so we have a global system trying to drive uh, efficiency and productivity on an exponential scale which we all vote for with our time in creating these companies and if a new one comes in tomorrow that gives us more time more we'll vote for that and that's the way the natural world would look like. In other words, driving more more value to us, we would work less, get more on a on an on an expanding scale, get, and it would get better and better over time for us and our kids, and it would keep getting better all the time, to the point of and 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 um, the, it, 
things become information, information becomes free. And so, so the oxygen you breathe is free and it's because it's abundant and nobody can charge you for it unless you're underwater, right? So that's the only place you can you pay for oxygen or in a hospital, but where it's, where it's scarce, where you don't have oxygen. That's it. And technology is creating that abundance everywhere. And as you create that abundance, it's impossible to price because it's a line of code. Mm-hmm. If you think about a lot of the apps on your phone, it's not, they're not, uh, they're not paid for by, by, uh, by most of them, not by revenue from advertising. They're actually, it, they're paid for because it's, it's a line of code that scales infinitely. And, and if, if they charged for it, somebody else would give it for free. Right. And, and, and so, so that abundance is everywhere around us and moving. And most of it is in front of us, not behind it. And we're watching, us. we're watching Jack Mahler's take that to Coinbase right now. I mean, he literally just said just thought about the same exact thing. Josh. Guess what Coinbase we are going to, we're going to make this as cheap as we possibly can. And we're going to sell it with no margin and we're going to shut you down. Because eventually you know? open source money is going to be driven to the, to the, the margins are going to be driven to the base. Yeah. Yep. That's where the, that's where the free market takes all of this and the free market and the free market takes, in other words, um, value up to society because today people have a choice to buy on Coinbase or to, or to pay zero free fees. Um, and every single technology runs that same path, starts out more expensive, gets cheaper and cheaper as it embedded, but the incumbents can't see it. So the incumbents do everything to, to, to essentially drive themselves off the cliff faster. I use the example in the book of Netflix or Blockbuster adding candy aisles to their stores um, when technology changed the rules. And, and so if you just think about that framework, what that means is you have one system gasping for breath today, the inflationary monetary system, that can't change itself. And you have a new technology in Bitcoin that is imposing itself onto that system and the system is doing a pretty predict pretty predictable what it will do mm-hmm. and, and it's pretty predictable what it's also predictable what will happen on bitcoin as a result of that fight but because because they're totally to, to those systems are uh, are inoperable together to two different uh two different systems and the existing system has no clue right what to do. and one just feeds on the weaknesses of the other I mean, this is like to switch gears a little bit, you know, I think one thing we firmly believe in is that solutions to wide scale problems need to be incentivized, not necessarily like legislating them is a valiant effort, but at the end of the day, they need to be incentivized. I know you're super passionate about Bitcoin and energy. Like I think I heard you on with Breedlove saying something to the effect of, hey, once we're done with these laser eyes, like let's start talking (laughs) about Bitcoin and energy. And here's a Here's a quote of yours. You said, the manipulation of money is by an order of magnitude the greatest contribution to environmental destruction that nobody talks about. Can you explore that a little bit with us and our audience? What do you mean by that? And then how does Bitcoin spin move into this into the lane and, and score on this problem? So, uh, so, so if you think about what oil prices would be naturally right now without, without, uh, without printing money, they would they'd probably be five dollars a barrel, right? Without print, printing money, they're, they they wouldn't be seventy dollars a barrel and opening up a whole bunch more oil fields because because exploration now makes sense in that market. So what's happening on the other side? You have technology like solar 
And there's a whole bunch of technologies like that, but let's use solar that can be decentralized. You can, you can actually go off grid, localize solar bat- batteries and everything else, and you can move away from a central power. And, and that cost is declining by, by about 11% a year. And it's already the lowest cost energy in some regions in the world. So now you have additive energy that is, and energy is the number one input to everything else, right? It takes energy to, to make all products and takes it. So you have energy declining at that rate um, and not just declining at that rate and staying constant at, let's call solar, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's call it 1% of total energy today. But as it goes to 2%, 5%, 10%, and it takes up more and more of the energy infrastructure, that means you have declining real costs, and so you get more and more for less. And that more and more for less makes everything else more and more for less as well. So if you, if you operate a system of inflation that works the other way, that means to offset that decline, you have to print more and more money all the time to make things go up in price. You have to distort money supply. Now, now think about our labor in that system. So, so now we need, instead of one person working in a family, we need two people working in a family, uh, both driving back and forth to work um, to be able to use more oil, to be able to price, to try to make prices go up over and over and over. And the entire thing is a system problem that you must grow forever on a credit-based system or the whole thing resets. So inflation, that growth forever, to, to believe that you could grow forever or G, grow GDP forever on a finite planet, more things, more things, more th- things, is just, I, I cannot believe more climate scientists and everybody else aren't talking about that because it is, inflation equals climate change. Yeah. It is, a, there is no fix out of inflationary monetary system. If there was... If there was, you would you would have thought climate change would have got a lot better through COVID, right? Hey Jeff, um, we have a lot of listeners that are in their mid to late twenties and early thirties, and I think a lot of them like to know what our guests think about how to invest their money. So I just wanted to know, and obviously this isn't investment advice, but just your opinion. If you had just say a hundred thousand dollars that you had to deploy today, what 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 are your thoughts on how to deploy that in this? With this, all of these, all the things we've been speaking about in mind, how would you deploy capital like that in today's world? So, um, I believe specifically Bitcoin only. I don't know if you guys do as well. Said a lot of people think we try to stay away from dogmatism and we try to analyze all sides, but we are we are maximalists. We had altcoins in 2017, and we've moved completely to Bitcoin only and. Actually, we share some serious concerns because we see the actual harm that these completely feeble projects can impart. We can talk about that more today or some other time. But yeah, we're we're Bitcoin only. Okay, and that's that's why because we're I think we're looking for a decentralized platform that allows deflation to ha- happen and everything else. And every other kind of altcoin will be centralized over time and co-opted. So I'm Bitcoin only, not just because I believe it'll be the highest return. But in any time, uh, so if people are looking for return, are they wanting to, are they wanting to get, I want my investments to be also things that I really believe in. Yeah. Right. 
So when I think about that, I think about it's not just for making money. It's also something that I really believe in and it can be a transition path. So that's also another reason for uh, Bitcoin only for me. And there's are, there are people in altcoins and you could you could make a bunch of money if you time that right. But I think it's a mugs game. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that that's the uh, the like. I, I I think people could also lose a lot of money in that. Yeah, that's in, getting in lucky. That I mean, so it's getting lucky. So uh, Bitcoin would uh, in that Bitcoin would be absolutely be in my portfolio. Then I would think about technology companies and typically technology companies that are um, that can out, outpace. Um, that can uh, outpace what's happening in the currency. So you'd need, you, you'd need to have growth of over 20% a year, but probably a lot more than that. Um, and, and where I like to spend my time is earlier stage companies that can have an asymmetric returns, crazy outrageous returns, and constructing those portfolios around network effects, what can happen and everything else. I don't know if all of your audience would have access to those, and a lot of times if you're, um, I, I see probably 300 companies a year that want me in, in, inside the kind in some sort of capacity as a board member or something like that. So I, I see a lot of kind of patterns and everything else out of this and, and what works, what doesn't, what doesn't work. But even on that bet, um, you can, so one of the, one of those companies, um, literally has, in four years, a 350 times return. Wow. That's incredible. So, so, so you can, a small amount of money can go a long, a long way. But it, but if you put, let's imagine somebody took 50,000, put in Bitcoin 50,000 in one company. That's also a risk because some of those companies can go to zero. So, so I, I like to think about those type of companies as I try to position a, a um, uh, a portfolio strategy across a number of them, realizing that probably one out of five will have the return that I just said, and some of them won't have that return. Some of them will go to zero, but I don't mind the ones that go to zero because uh, uh, because of that that return profile. Yep, that's part of the asymmetry. Zero is part of an asymmetric bet. <laughs> yeah, right. It is. That's what Greg Foss said that he sees Bitcoin as the most asymmetric bet he's ever seen in his life even even at this point. I, I feel this i feel the same the same way i've said that on multiple past uh, podcasts awesome i mean this is probably goes without saying yeah our our primary conviction is just for someone that isn't fluent let's say in finance and hasn't invested the time and energy nor is interested in doing that the key is just get off zero with bitcoin take this at least this hedge position in your portfolio as a starter is i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and just use the word i think imperative for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, I, 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 do too. Like, I, I think it's critical. I think it's, and then, and, and what that'll do for a lot of your listeners, if they're not in it already, it'll start them down the learn because they'll want to learn more about it. So um, I gave Bitcoin on a hard, on a hard wallet to my entire extended family, kids, everything else for Christmas uh, last year. Um, and what that did, because now they care about it, and the learning that that took them on the path that it took, they just ask better questions. They're, they're more aware of everything that's going around them. And a lot of them now contribute on a weekly basis um, to, to uh, getting off to buying more because now they understand how, how radical, how, what that innovation can do. Jeff, can you, well, let's go back a couple minutes. Can you tell us 
it briefly as why you're Bitcoin only? Because it's one thing for us to say, oh, we're maximalists. And, but why is this the only project in this space that you're interested in? So, again, it's probably impossible to do this justice in this amount of time, but I've done a lot of work in this space and I don't see another, I don't see another alternative that can be a system change that, uh, that can't be co-opted. And I think, and, and, and why, if so it isn't about money for me, I don't need more money. I, I, I want, I want fairness and rules in a, in something that can provide a transition for humanity to where we're going. When you say it can't be co-opted, I think what you're saying, and we've, we try to beat this in our viewer or listeners heads all the time. It's the decentralization of it that allows it to be non-co-optable. Would you agree with that's, that? that that's, that's, that's exactly it. The energy, the energy use in Bitcoin, putting the energy use there is the highest priority of energy use because it fixes everything else. And that energy use, that expensive, that proof of work con, uh, en en energy use is the thing that secures the network. And, and so it's the best, it's the best thing you could do for security of a, a, a of a network. It's, it's a feature of the system, not a bug. This is maybe a tough question. It's something that just came to mind. When you talk about solar and the price of tomorrow, you speak to the fact that this stuff could get damn close to free in the future. Right. Have you thought about how that would work amidst the Bitcoin proof of work security model? Is that something you've yeah. gamed out at all? What are your thoughts on that? How those two things, how those two realities could coexist? Great question. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I have thought about it. So again, I, I'm looking for, and this is going to come out of left field for a whole bunch of peop, uh, people. You, you've read the book twice. You guys have each read the book twice and still, and kind of some of my other work and everything else. So you're further down this rabbit hole. But what this shift to, to a deflationary world means is a totally different world than we see today. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so if energy costs come down, and even if Bitcoin kind of makes it cheaper to mine, and more miners and, uh, and everything else as energy costs go down. It's the relative value of your Bitcoin that you're looking for. It's not the, it's not the measured in US dollars. Right. And so if you to use the relative value, essentially our purchases, we should always get more for less. Our money should, on, on this path, yeah. our, our money should be worth more and more each year. I, I mean, it, that's honestly such a hard thing to wrap your head around. The first time I read your book, I don't think it really landed as, as well as it has the second time, but it's still really difficult because of this whole, this, I've been on this world for 36 years, used to inflation and used to things getting more expensive. And, and we're just so conditioned to understand the way things are that in order to understand this could be completely inverse. It's very hard for people. I think especially people that aren't really into this whole idea or this into finance and into Bitcoin to really understand this. And, and, and that's why it, it's our own brains, our own concepts that have such a hard time with this. And it's just the people once believed the world was flat. Right. right? And because it's what they, it's yeah. what they saw in their everyday lives. Yeah. And, and they measured everything by that world and they couldn't see. And we burned witches at the stake. The moon was round and the sun was round. They couldn't see. It's impossible that this is round because we would fall off of it. Um, and so, so, so again, these concepts are really hard for our minds to construct because we live in a different world, measuring that different world from everything around us. But it doesn't make it, it's still true. 
right? It's still true. Like everything we're talking about, um, I've said this numerous times, but we could, we could dig holes with spoons if we wanted to more jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we do that? Yeah. Right. We, um, we, we could create a whole bunch of useless jobs and that's actually what we're doing. Yeah. We're creating a whole bunch of useless jobs by paying people less because inflation is wage deflation. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're, 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 we're tr- and, and we're tra- trying to make prices go up. And by doing so, we're creating slaves. That's what we're doing. People are, st- they're, they're slaves to a system that they can't get out of. And it's absolutely insane. But because everyone's a slave in that system, they can't actually even imagine a different system. Right. Don't worry. I, I'm going to be the top slave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, uh, so you're the, uh, to the answer to the energy question, I think landed, but just to reiterate, you're saying, yes, the cost of energy is going to come down, but the, what we're really concerned about is the relative cost of energy. And so Bitcoin will still capture a relative amount of energy that's necessary to secure the network is essentially what you're saying. Exactly. exactly. In fact, Bitcoin will drive the energy costs down as well. The other alternative. So I just like to think about these in order. And so a lot of people talk about um, how Bitcoin incentivizes green energy and everything else. And, and um, probably Greg talked about that or, or volcano mining and stranded energy and a whole bunch of abundance and energy that Bitcoin now incentivizes that doesn't need to be centrally, centrally controlled. It could be anywhere. And it cha- that change that just that small change changes a whole bunch of other things. Um, that change, along with um, if you think about where cities have always been placed, cities have always been in trade routes um, or financial hubs. Now, now you could you have you have uh, um, satellite networks for uh, with uh, with Elon's satellite network for high speed internet. You have solar. You have you have energy systems being kind of built around bitcoin and others everywhere and you could off grid is on grid today right yeah you could work from anywhere and so it just it it changes so much that we take for granted about how our world is is driven today and these these changes have enormous ripple ripple effects across society it is insane to realize how we're already kind of there but how soon it's going to be viable for average individuals to be completely removed from the grid I mean, you can buy, you can probably buy yourself a solar product in 15 years. Then until that, that gives out, there's your energy. You've got your internet access from the sky. Yeah. It's going to totally change the interweb of where people are able to live and and participate. Sounds to me like you're going to need to be off grid pretty soon. Yeah. And think, think about this. We wouldn't have been 15 years ago. There's no way we would have been doing this. We would have had to fly to some conference to be able to see each other. Josh and I would be completely priced out of this media. Like there's no way yeah. we, we would be able to do yeah. this. Yeah. And, and so that cost and all the jobs and all the flights and everything else uh, that, 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 that used to cost that is all around us today, but we don't see because we stay, we stay trapped in our own prisons. We don't see it, that, that how fast this is, how fast this is happening. I'll give you a perfect example of, of governments thinking that they can control borders with labor and they say, and, and it, uh, two different sides is the same. In one thing, work from home is great, right? Because now businesses can reduce their labor requirement and everything else, and you can hire everybody, and you can less people on the road, everything else. Work from home is great. Well, that's an efficiency gain. 
right? So that efficiency gain needs to be offset with more printing. <laughs> yeah. But that, but that's the first, that's, that's the first thing now, but they, now they think now people get say, okay, well I'm in Cal, a business says I'm in California and I can hire a whole bunch of people in Alabama and they're one third the labor rate. So deflationary pay pressure on wages, everything else, cities change, yeah. everything else. But that's, that's just the first step. If you can hire somebody in Alabama, could you hire somebody in India? Could you hire somebody uh, in Bangladesh? And, and, you're, and businesses are going to search out for the best people anywhere on the planet, which is a digitally, it's, it, on a digitally uh, native architecture, yeah. which is moving more and more digital all the time. Um, and, and so that is wage deflation. Yeah. So, Jeff, is it your opinion that this could all play out to be very similar to what the sovereign individual kind of claims where there's kind of this worldwide audience of borderless nationless states, just there are no states in some distant future, 50 to a hundred years from now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I, that, that could be a very real um, uh, outcome, it, 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 a high probability outcome uh, of this. I think on the way there, uh, it, to me, it, it, looking out that long probably doesn't do uh, um, uh, as good a job. So it could go go there, but on the way there, I, if you just think what Bitcoin is going, what's going to happen on Bitcoin, um, countries will compete for capital the same way companies compete for ca labor, you know, capital and talent today. So, so I could move to Portugal today. I think two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I can buy my entire family a golden visa. And I invest in the country. I can get a return on that, and I could live in Portugal t tomorrow for uh, for for that. Sounds like a plan. Um, and what that said, and by the way, Canada does the same thing, and we we attract capital from Asia, and we to attract to invest in Canada so that we can um, we can grow our economy. And every country does a similar type of thing to attract the best talent and, and capital to their to their country. Why wouldn't the same thing exist in Bitcoin? as Bitcoin becomes a monetary standard. And so what you're seeing in El Salvador is that's, ha is that's happening. And, and the number of people well, on my, on my world trip next year, I'm going to go to El, El Salvador as one of the places. And it wouldn't have been on my map before. It wouldn't have been on my radar before. hundred percent. The two of us are talking about taking a trip there. I mean, the effects it has, the ripple effects the are- The price is three crazy. Bitcoins. You invest three yeah. Bitcoins in the economy there and you get, uh, I don't know if it's citizenship. Is that what you- yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if it's citizenship, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, I can't remember the, the name, but, uh, but, uh, but residency. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, but, but again, that's going to happen. And, and so at first, if you said, take that sovereign individual thesis that, but, uh, but at first nation states will compete for capital the same way they do today. It'll just be on a different standard, but as more and more nation states do that, and how mobile a digitally native currency is like Bitcoin. If you remember 12 words, you can move anywhere with complete safety. Um, they, they, so think about how, how essentially what governments are having to do is they're going to have to, it, I, they turn into real democracies. Yeah, with teeth. Yeah, with teeth. Because, because, uh, uh, because, and you guys are firefighters here's and i've said this on numerous podcasts i want a firefighter in my neighborhood 
right? I'm happy to pay taxes for that. I'm perfectly happy. I don't want a society where I have all the wealth and 99% of people are struggling and I can't walk out my front door. I would not vote with my time or money for that society. So who will I vote for? I will, or who will I move domiciles countries to? I'll move somebody that shares my belief system in what society needs to look like. And it'll be more and more people will do the same, same thing. And it'd be a competition for capital people, entrepreneurs and everything else to build a really great uh, uh, societies. And you, so, so you talked about incentive structures that matter teeth in a system like that, that, that matter. That's what I, now you have fair rules in society in, in society with teeth. Yeah. Jurisdictional arbitrage is democracy with legs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, you can up and move. Yeah. Get on a plane. Let's close with this question. Cause I, I like to, we like to ask this of all our guests. We know nothing in this world is perfect. What are flaws or concerns you have with Bitcoin? What comes to mind when you're asked that question? No, it's a, like, so in that, yeah, I will answer. So I'll give you an answer, but, uh, but before I do, um, it's such a beautifully designed protocol. And so, and, and from game theory, from everything else, I, I, it's actually, it's hard to imagine anything replacing that because of that, because of that design. It just, and, and I'll leave it for your guests to go deeper into that rabbit hole, but it's really hard to imagine something. Um, Agreed. Being, being, being better than that. The one thing I would say that though, if I'm, because to have conviction on something, you also have to run every scenario of where could you be wrong? So I'm always looking for where could I be wrong? It has something changed that conviction. And I will say to nothing has changed that conviction. It's only gotten stronger. But one thing I would say in time, I'm a believer in technology. I see how fast it's moving. Then you also have to say, where will quantum go? And at some time, and at some, some time in the future, you'll have this, uh, can, can, can Bitcoin, become quantum resistant before quantum uh, it makes uh, it breaks Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't leave it there, but they should have to, they, they'd have to break Bitcoin in the 10 minute window, but, but their early Bitcoin that before the hashing algorithm and everything else would be able to be uh, because they're public key, they'd be able to uh, be seen earlier in that cycle. So I, I'm not as worried about quantum in Bitcoin protocol as it stands today. But it, if you broke quantum, if quantum accelerated at some point in some point in the future, um, then some of those early coins with a, with a uh, with public key could be seen, and you could break those, and that would hurt. That wouldn't kill Bitcoin at all, but it would sure hurt the value in the in the accumulation mm-hmm. Satoshi's coins coming up for for sale. Right. Yeah. So yeah. You, you talking about quantum computing, I, I think we'll link uh, Preston Pish did an episode. I forget which one it was. He brought somebody on a, a leader in that space. It was a good, maybe hour long summative initial exploration of quantum computing. But I think you're displaying some intellectual integrity in saying that because I often see people flippantly dismiss that. And this is my thought on quantum computing. It is a problem that's going to need to be solved on the Bitcoin yep. protocol. It's just a matter of when. Now, the beauty is this is an open source network and we can build on it, but you can't just ignore it because it is a problem that will need to be solved at some point in the future. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I trust in the people around the network that are there. We're going to solve It's going to, it's going to be solved there first. Um, it, because the other side of this too, if you broke it to what gain do you get? Yeah. You destroyed this system that you need to gain value from. But the other thing, the, that Preston Pish episode, uh, it, it's a friend of mine who, who runs a quantum computer, the computing company that, uh, that I introduced to Preston. We'll, we'll link it down in the show notes. It was a good, it was a really good episode. Yeah. yeah. It was very enlightening. The thing I liked about that episode to plug it a little bit is that he is, if I remember correctly, he's not super deep into Bitcoin. So it, it felt like this really honest exploration because the two of them were sort of dialoguing about two different spaces and there wasn't this just immediate bias that Bitcoin is going to fix this, you know, yeah. very good discussion. Jeff, thank you for your time. We really appreciate you being here with us and, and you know, sharing all, all your wisdom with us. It's been great, guys. Thanks for, thanks for doing this, number one. Yeah. Enjoyed it greatly. You have a, an excellent rest of your day, Jeff. And um, we are uh, concerned about the future, but optimistic about potential solutions that are in play. Bitcoin leading the league there, so... Yeah, it is. It, by the way, it, it, ending on that, I think, is a really good thing. So, so again, this future is coming anyways. It, it, um, it, you can be really optimistic if you're in the right places leading to where that future is going. Why it's an asymmetric bet is because most people don't understand it. Uh, and, and, and the price action reflects that. All the FUD in the market reflects that. You can't have an asymmetric bet if everybody understood it. So, right. so, 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 so the, 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 essentially the curious win, the curious that are really curious and, and thinking in first principles have an opportunity to get in on the ground floor of something. And as they do, they'll under the, the, they, hopefully they'll bring others on because it's so important for those others as well. Well said. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at blue underscore collar BTC. We invite questions, comments, and inquiries of any kind. And our email is bluecollarbitcoinpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to you joining us next time on the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah